So uh, one thing that we're going to look at this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at learning about how to look for what God is doing. So let's just start off, start off a minute with uh, this picture on the screen. Some of you might remember this from olden days, maybe. Um, and um, kids, you will probably recognise this character. Oh, I'm hoping that Graham can get it up on the screen. <laughs> it's coming, I think. And in this picture, you have to look for somebody, okay? You have to look for somebody who maybe, I'm just looking at what you guys are wearing, maybe they're looking a little bit like what Caroline or Esther are wearing, that whole stripy top thing going on, okay? You have to look for this character called Wally, okay? Anybody remember this book from of old? Yeah? Okay, where's Wally? So there's pictures packed with different people, but somewhere in the picture is that character Where's Wally? Okay, so we're going to have a look at this picture coming up. See if you can spot him. Don't call it out just yet. Let everybody have a good, good look. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, he's in there somewhere. Have a good look. See if you can spot that character. Oh, where might he be? Okay, so you're looking for red and white stripey. You're looking for a red and white stripey hat. Bit tricky because there's lots of stripes on the screen, lots of red and white stuff going on. Right, okay, the kids are obviously very, very good at this, but adults, you are surely lacking at the moment. Any adults manage to spot? Where's Wally? <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah, I, th yeah, I think Anne thinks she's found him. Yeah, okay. Anne, where do you reckon he is? In the middle, the kind of beach screen thing. Yes, so right in the middle of the screen, there's a red and white kind of windbreak. That's the word I'm looking for. And he's just poking his head out there. Can you see him? Yes, everyone got him? Excellent. Okay, so some of you had to look a little bit harder than others. Oh, Ben thinks he's seen some others as well. Okay, so there are, some, there are some characters, other characters in there, but today, just finding where's Wally, okay? Right, well done, well done if you found him, okay. You had to, some of you had to look quite hard, though, to see him. He was in the picture, but you had to look a bit hard. Now, even in the events of the past couple of years with the pandemic, even with the unsettling stuff that is going on in, uh, in Europe at the moment, in the Ukraine, even though at times darkness presses in and it looks like evil is winning the day, even though chaos is unleashed, even so, and all the more, let's look for what God is doing because he is surely doing stuff even in this moment. So we're going to talk a bit this morning about how we do that, how we look for what God is doing. Now, I just want you to have a little picture in your mind for the moment. Think about... Um, a wedding, okay. Now, often at the wedding, the groom chooses some of his good friends to be ushers. And their role is to kind of welcome everyone in as they come in, you know, like find out who they are, help them to settle down and sit down. And to say, look, watch out, the king is coming, the, gr the groom is coming rather, the important person is coming. They say, come and see, come and join in. He's going to be here in a minute. So I want you to have that little that kind of word, that, that phrase, if you like, of us ushering in um, somebody important. 
because that's what we do when we look for what God is doing. We're going to pray that, Lord, let your kingdom come. That's what we were praying this morning as we were praying about the Ukraine. Show us where you are and show us what you're doing because he is doing stuff. I just want to tell you a little story um, from this week. Um, And you might think it's just a good story, but I think it's a God story. Um, Because this week, um, some of you might know our Grow Baby project, which is something that we run in town, where we give away clothes for free to families who need them, to children. Um, So completely free, we give away baby equipment and all that kind of stuff. And we have lots and lots of people who come, uh, come along to that every week. And... This past couple of weeks, we met a family who have recently lost everything um, in a house fire. And they have three teenage boys and they've been trying to, they are looking for clothes for their boys. So we've been, uh, you know, trying to source some clothes for them and so that we can help them. Now, um, I put a message out to people in church and just said, look, this has happened. Has anybody got anything of the right kind of age that might fit these boys? And Helen um, put, put that message out onto her street WhatsApp group. And somebody in their community um, gave a substantial amount of money for that family in order to be able to buy brand new school uniform for three teenage boys. Now, any of you who have got children uh, will know that school uniform is not cheap. Um, and they have given hundreds of pounds to this family so that they can buy... Um, some school uniform for them. I've spoken to the mum this week. She is absolutely overwhelmed by the generosity that has been shown to her. Uh, she, um, yeah, she was kind of, yeah, just completely overwhelmed by it. And in that whole thing, I think God has been up to something. He's been up to something in the hearts of the people who said, Do you know what? I feel compassion about this. I want to give. He's been doing something in the heart of Helen and her family because they've been surprised by what has happened. And they have been doing something in the heart of this lady and her family as they've been able to receive this gift. God is up to stuff. He is doing stuff. And our invitation is to look at what he's doing, look for him and join him with what he's doing. So to help us do that, um, this morning, we're just going to look briefly at two stories, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. So if you've got your Bibles or if you've got your Bible on your phone, grab it out now. And we're going to find Exodus chapter three. And we're just going to look at uh, verses one to five. Okay, this is what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now Moses went over to take a look because something caught his attention. It was just a bush, uh, but in the middle of a hot climate, uh, maybe sometimes there were bush fires. But the thing was that here was that the bush looked like it was on fire, but something different was happening. Something caught his attention because this bush was not burning up. 
That's not something that ordinarily happens. Something was different. So in the middle of the ordinary, something extraordinary was happening. And Moses had to go and have a look. And God spoke to him and said, look, I'm here. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. God was doing something. God was present. This is what we want to get good at, to notice the extraordinary presence of God in the ordinary, where he says, I'm here, if you will just look. And you might say, yes, but you know, we don't see many burning bushes around in Chelmsford. Uh, so kind of what does that look like here? Um, but way back uh, before Jesus was born, um, he was given this special name, and it was a name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's his name. He is with us. He is in the picture. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says this. I'm reading it from the message. I love the phrase that's used here. And it talks about the coming of Jesus. And he says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that phrase. He moved into the neighbourhood. He moved into Whittam. He moved into Onga. He moved into Great Bazo, Springfield, um, even Hatfield Peveril. Uh, he has moved into the neighbourhood. Wherever you're from, God is there. So kids, while I'm talking this morning, you have been given some paper and some pens and glue sticks and scissors and all that kind of thing. I want you to draw and cut and stick pictures and kind of make a house. Maybe your house, maybe houses on your street, you'll use your pens to draw the rest of the street. Um, but what we're going to do at the end is all your pictures that you've made. So hopefully there's a picture of what it could look like, Graham, coming up. There we go, okay. So use your, picture, use your paper, use your pens, cut and stick, draw, and then at the end, we're going to put all those pictures together to make a big kind of neighbourhood scene. God has moved into your neighbourhood. He's moved into my neighbourhood. In Matthew 28, verse 20, this is what it says. I will be with you till the very end of the age. That means I will be with you. Jesus is saying, I will be with you day after day, every day, everywhere. That's what he said when the Holy Spirit came. He said, I'm giving you, wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to be with you everywhere, every day. There'll be no day where he is not with you. There will be no place where he is not with you. He will be in your neighbourhood. So he's, God is in our homes. He's on the move in the houses of our neighbours. He is on the move in our streets, in our workplaces, on our nights out, in the local pub, in the school-run conversations, in our classrooms. God is there. He is already up to stuff. And even in hard times when we can't see him, when we maybe can't feel like he's near, he is here. We don't have to persuade him or try and twist his arm to kind of somehow show up because he is passionately, intimately involved in all of our lives, in the lives of everybody out there, everyone who's not in this room at the moment, whether people are aware of him or not, God is involved in their lives. You know, he is weeping at what is going on in Ukraine at the moment. He loves people. It's his heartbeat. 
He loves people so much that he cannot take his eyes off us. He cannot not be involved in our lives. He is always gracing us with his goodness. His love is always chasing after us. His love is always chasing after your heart and my heart and the hearts of the people in your family, of the people in your street, the people that you work with, the people that you hang out with. It has always been that way and it will always be that way because he is love. He can't not do it. It's part of him. It's his whole being. And he invites us to join him in doing the same, in chasing after others with love, in pouring out his love and kindness to people and showing people his goodness and offering them healing and freedom. Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you just want to know more about him, please come and talk to us later. I would love to tell you about what he means to me and about why I follow him. He loves you. He is chasing after your heart. So God has moved into our neighborhoods in Jesus and through his Holy Spirit. And we get to look for what he's doing and join in. Like those ushers, we get to kind of say, come in and join in. We can learn to see what he's up to. So let's, I said, let's look a little bit. We took look at a tiny little bit of Moses and that what happened there with the burning bush. We're going to have a look now at John chapter 5 and read verse 1 to 20. And we're just going to focus on this a bit more and look at what Jesus did. What did it look like for Jesus, this looking for what God was doing? So find John chapter 5 and we're going to start at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of, of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And then verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Skip to verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works in these, so that you will be amazed. So just two things from that um, passage we just read. One, my father is always at his work to this very day. I.e., he is here. He is doing stuff. Secondly, I can only do what I see the father doing. That's what Jesus said. So how did Jesus know what the father was up to? 
How did he see and join in with it? He was fully human and yet he was intimately connected with his father. He knew God and he was known by him. He had this relationship, this ongoing time with God, this attuned to him, his eyes and ears and heart attuned to his father. And in the Bible, there's this picture used to describe Jesus of like this shepherd and people who follow him as his sheep. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You know, how does that happen? Um, you know, shepherds spend time with their sheep. Now, you know, you, those of you that will know me know that I'm in my early 50s and like a kind of real rock and roll lifestyle. And recently I watched for the first time, I can't remember the title, uh, but it's something to do with Matt Baker on his farm. Has anyone seen that? Oh, Matt, Matt Baker, who's like a TV presenter, used to be a, like an Olympic gym, gymnastic or something, gymnast, like he's, you know, on the telly, all that kind of thing. But his family um, have, have owned a, a farm for a long time. And I watched this episode. Yes, I'm sorry, kids, I know. But um, I watched this episode and it was of um, lambing season. And uh, Matt Baker is there with his, with his wife, with his children. Uh, his mum and dad are, are kind of a little bit, getting on a little bit now and weren't very well. So they were kind of zooming in on FaceTime to look at what was happening while Matt and his wife and his children were in this kind of big barn, knew that several of their ewe lambs were about to um, give birth. And they just sat there and they waited like the entire night going over to them, checking they were right, talking to them, like, you know, knew them kind of by name, like knew them intimately. They, they kind of could tell that, you know, this particular you was like minutes away from delivering and they were encouraging her and talking to her and kind of gently going over there and talking, you know, helping her through the process. There was like this tender connection between them and they, they, they just stayed there the entire night to make sure that all these baby lambs were born safely. I was so moved by watching this. And I, I just felt like this nudge of uh, reminding me of that picture of like you, you, that my, my followers, they, they're my sheep. You, you have this intimate connection with the shepherd, like the, the care and attention that the shepherds paid um, to these sheep. And this is the relationship that Jesus has with the Father. And this is the relationship that we're called to, to be able to know and hear and recognize his voice and see where he's present and know that he's with us. There are also things that we can look out for, things that are like a signpost, if you like, that can alert us to the fact that God is around. But if you take one thing away from this morning, the most important thing is about our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God. That is how we get to hear God's voice and get to see where he is and see what he's doing by being in relationship with him. But then some of the signposts, if you like. So, uh, and we're just going to, I'm going to think about four different ways, okay, that this happens. So first of all, we open our eyes, we open our ears, we open our hearts, and we open our hands. Right, kids, you can do that with me. Ready? Open our eyes. Open our ears. Open our hearts. Open our hands. Okay? Eyes, ears, hearts, hands. Okay. So we're going to look at that passage we just read about Jesus 
And we can see in that passage that he does the same. So, first of all, our eyes open our hearts. In verse 6, we read Jesus saw him lying there. Jesus looked. He didn't just walk past the man that had been there every single day for 38 years. He looked and he saw. And we can do that too. We can open our eyes to see what God might already be doing wherever we are. We can ask him, we can pray, Lord, what are you doing? Help me to see what you're doing in this moment while I'm walking down the street. Help me to see what you're doing while I'm queuing in Aldi. Help me to see what you're doing while I'm stuck in traffic. Help me to see what you're doing while I've got this big to-do list and I'm on my way and I'm rushing around. Lord, what are you doing in this moment? Help me to see. You know, look for the things that look like God kinds of things. Look for goodness and beauty and hope and healing and comfort and openness to him. God will be in those places. He will be doing things. Look for things that seem to happen out of nowhere, things that just come to you, things that just fall in your path, in, you know, in the path of your family and your friendships in your street, uh, in this church. Look where you see light whether it be a tiny small chink of light or blazing glory, look, let's open our eyes and look. Jesus looked and he saw the plight of this man. What's the next thing? Eyes, ears, okay? Jesus had his ears open. It says, and Jesus learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. I mean, how did Jesus learn that? You know, he'd, he'd looked at the man and then it says he learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time. I wonder if he listened to someone telling him, oh, you know, this is, this is Bert. You know, what's his name? I don't know. This is, probably wouldn't have been Bert, would it, in Israel? But, you know, here he is. This is so-and-so. Yeah, he's normally sat here for 38 years. So he might have heard it by that, like that. It might have been God the Father saying, this is so-and-so. He's been here. Um, for 38 years. He learned about this man's condition. Maybe the man himself told Jesus, but Jesus listened. He opened his ears. And I want to suggest to us that listening is really, really important. Like really listening to other people, listening to what they're saying and listening to God, listening to his prompting, listening to his ideas, his nudges, uh, the conversations that we have, you know, listen to what God is doing in those. You know, maybe you feel like God is speaking to you and laying something in your heart. Listen to that. What is God saying to you? Maybe there's something that you just cannot shift. Maybe there's something that you have this kind of sense, this urge that you need to press into. Maybe your heart aches about some injustice. Listen to what God is saying. Open your ears. You know, ask him, look, God, what are you saying here? What are you saying, Lord? Let's be a people who open our eyes and our ears to see what he is doing. Now, if you were here um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you will know um, I told a little story about, um, again, about Grow Baby. Sorry, I can't. I just can't shut up about Grow Baby because God is doing so much stuff there. Like Ailish came along this week. It was crazy chaos but a beautiful, crazy chaos. Uh, lots of you will know that we have a number of Afghan refugee families that have been coming. Um, and uh, 
each time this one particular man and now actually two particular men who keep coming back and they bring new families with them. So this week we had another eight to ten new families that came and that looked like an entire football team of 18 to 30-year-old men just walked in and we were able to kind of help them with clothes for their families and some for them too. Um, God is doing something in Grow Baby uh, because they keep coming back and they keep bringing more people. Yes, we're meeting a need, but I think God is doing something. I think they sense the welcome that they have. I think they sense the kindness that they receive. And, and I think that is a God thing. You know, if any of you want to get involved, come and see me and Caroline. Uh, we'd love to have you on the team. Um, but, you know, I just wonder, you know, maybe God's doing something else in that moment. We're meeting that need. You know, I have been praying for a while that our church would be a church that is diverse, culturally diverse, diverse with different languages, diverse with different backgrounds. What if God is doing something even bigger than I can hope for or imagine um, around these families? Um, I mentioned as well, there was an older lady that um, has been, we've been in touch with through Grow Baby, and she has just been getting rid of some of her grandchildren's clothes to us. They're all in amazing condition. Um, she... A couple of weeks ago, she came on the bus um, with one suitcase full of clothes, went back on the bus to her house, uh, got some more clothes in the same suitcase, came back again in the same session, then stayed for coffee. So she came twice. She's, I, would, I, don't, I reckon she's probably in her late 70s, maybe. So like, like bionic lady, um, kind of doing this thing. But she keeps saying, whenever I speak to her, she's like, I'm so excited to have found you. I'm so excited at what's going on here. And she's been telling her friends about it. She's been getting them in touch. Uh, and this last couple of weeks, I went to her house to pick up seven more bags of stuff. And again, she said, I'm so excited, Viva. I'm so excited. I think she's excited about God's presence being there. I think she's just, she might not be able to express that, but that's kind of what I think is happening. Um, and we're excited. Um, look out for the just so happens. So one just so happened when we were kind of setting up the um, space in Grow Baby and we were putting up loads of kind of clothing rail systems. Now, normally we might be there during the day, but on this particular occasion, Russ and I were trying to just test it out. So we'd gone there. We were there about eight o'clock at night, just trying to see if this system we'd bought would work. And it just so happened inverted commons, that um, someone else from our team was walking past the door, saw that the lights were on. This is odd. This is the evening. Not normally anybody there at this time. She knocks on the door and with her are a whole group of mis Muslim young girls who, um, because she's also a youth worker, so she was doing some youth work with this group of girls at the time. Noticed we were there. Uh, also with this uh, group of Muslim girls was one of the leaders at the local Islamic society, and she came along and she was asking, you know, what we were doing. We chatted. And that was just about the time when some of these um, Afghan refugees families were first coming over uh, and landing at Stansted. And so over the next couple of weeks, we were able to work with the local council and with this lady and fill up cars for 
some of those refugee families that were arriving straight at the airport. Um, it was a just-so-happened moment, but I, I think it wasn't a just-so-happened. It was a God moment. God was in that. Look for what he's doing, the things that happen um, spontaneously around you. It might be God. Don't over-spiritualize things. You know, Jesus was fully human. He was God with skin and bones. He walked in flesh and blood. The extraordinary happens in the ordinary. So look for where people are open. You know, where is the Holy Spirit on the move? Where is something happening? Where is it that people just can't stay away from? You know, where's the buzz? Where's the small group that people are just flocking to? Uh, you know, where are the stories happening? Where can you already see the kingdom breaking in? We started with that Where's Wally picture scene. Wally was in there. We just needed to look carefully to find him. We just need to be intentional about looking for Jesus, looking for the Holy Spirit and what he's doing. So we've had open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Okay. So in that passage we read, it says, he, Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? And sir, the invalid replied, I've no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. That's what they kind of thought would bring healing. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Something happened in Jesus' heart at that moment. Jesus was moved. So notice when your heart is moved or when someone else's is. Because I would hazard a guess that at that moment, God is probably present. Notice when someone is vulnerable. Notice when they open up and tell you something important from their heart. You know, when we do that, well, I was talking the other week about, you know, my journey with, with opening up and being more vulnerable with people. When we do that, something happens. It's a holy moment. God's presence comes into that moment. So notice those heart moments and allow yourself to be surprised. You know, this man had been sat there for 38 years. That's a really long time for someone to be desperate and unwell and rejected. Let's not count people out. Let's kind of not write people off and think, oh, there's no way that God can be doing anything with that person. Because look, have you seen their situation? Have you seen what's going on? Have you seen the state of their lives? Let's not do that. Jesus never, ever did that. In fact, the Pharisees were people who did that all the time. They were like, oh, no, surely God's not doing something there. And all the time Jesus was saying, don't do that. He got furious with them. He was like, nobody is off limits. So let's have open hearts. Let's allow ourselves to be surprised. That's a little bit of what's happened with Helen um, this week with, you know, just some of that, what's happened with that provision it, it took her by surprise and it's lovely when we open our hearts and it's like, God, wow, you look what you're doing. I'm just looking at the time. I'm just wondering whether to pare down what I've said. <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing I would just say um, is don't compartmentalize Jesus into being in this part of your life and not this part of your life. Um, I realized... Um, that I never thought I did this, but I think sometimes maybe I have done it. And, and let me just give you an example. The example I was giving is that, say for example, so some, so some of the families that we've been supporting in Grow Baby, um, maybe a couple of years ago, I might have said, pinged out a WhatsApp message to 
all of you guys. I said, look, we've got this family. They really need this at the moment. Um, can anyone help? And the shift that it's been in me is that I'm now not doing that just to you guys. I'm doing that to anybody and everybody. So my WhatsApp street group, uh, just putting it on Facebook, just calling up my friends saying, have you got any of this? This family need this. And I've realized that that's been a shift in me, that kind of uh, that openness, that this is what I love doing. I, God's doing something with this. Um, and for me, not to just say that can happen in this place with you. It's happening everywhere. I mean, my street have raised hundreds of pounds to support families with uh, some of the refugee families. That's none of my doing. That is God doing something in the hearts of our neighbours, um, saying we want to respond to this. Um, we've got some of our neighbours who kind of have been involved in that coming around for dinner in the next couple of weeks. And I'm hatching a plan. I'm hatching a plan about some other stuff we might do together to support some of these families. I think God is doing stuff. So, so I'm saying that because I think without even realising it, we can try and limit God to what we think he might be doing. Actually, let's open our hearts because he is doing far more than we can even hope or imagine already. We just need to be able to see what he's doing. So God is everywhere and he invites us to join him in bringing life to our communities, to join in with what he's already doing. It's not a case of us having, you know, waking up in the morning and going, I've got to make something happen today because God is already doing stuff. We just need to say, God, what are you doing? Lord, what are you doing? Would you lead me? Would you open my eyes and ears and heart so that I can see what you're doing today? Eyes, ears, hearts, hands. Okay, last thing, hands. This is what happens in verse eight. Then Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And in the man's response, Jesus healed him. What was it that Jesus did? So the hands, open our hands, that's, that's like a picture, of, a, if you like, of what we do. Jesus spoke. That's what he did. He spoke life and truth. And we can do that. We can call out the golden people. We can look for life, for hope, for beauty, for things that reflect the very heart of God. And we can encourage people just in our ordinary, everyday conversations. Speaking it out has a real power. It's a bit like um, lots of you adults couldn't see where Wally was in the picture. Some of the kids spotted him. Maybe there's something prophetic in that. Isn't it something like, yeah, look at what the children do. The kids spotted him, they called it out, and then the rest of us could see where he was, yeah? So speaking it out, you, it opens our eyes to see what he's doing. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our hands. And just as part of that um, opening our hands, I would suggest as part of that doing is opening our homes. So here's a challenge. Um, what about if we choose to invite people that we might not ordinarily invite round to our homes for dinner? What about if we intentionally choose to spend time with people who are not like us? What about if we open our homes? That's an opening our hands thing. Opening our homes to those people. What might God be doing in that moment? 
So the whole Where's Wally series, there's a whole host of different scenes of those books. You can find pictures. Um, so we had one of the pictures of the beach. There's ones of the fairground, ones of the street, like whole loads and loads of different scenes. Um, and I just want to leave you with this question. How about we just assume that God is always in the picture? He's never not on the page. He's always present. He's always here somewhere in that picture. And I am sure of that because people are there and because he loves people. He cannot not be near people. He cannot not be with us. He is always with us. He chases after us. So let's be a people with open eyes, open ears, open hearts and open hands and look for what God is doing. I'm going to leave it there. Shall we pray?